TechBiter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 426 for January 18th, 2015. This week, if you use a GoPro video camera or any other method to capture extreme sports, you should take a look at Magic's Fast Cut. Adobe released Lightroom Mobile for Android this week, and that means I can stop harassing the product managers. It also means you can perform some pretty cool photo editing tricks right on your phone. In short circuits, some towns and cities are trying to provide broadband access for residents to the great annoyance of cable operators. If you have a WordPress website, you should check to see if malware has been planted there. And if you receive a call from Windows support, do yourself a favor and just hang up. And don't forget about spare parts, available only on the website. Occasionally, somebody comes up with an idea that seems so obvious in retrospect that we wonder why we didn't think of it first. Magic's Fast Cut could be one of those ideas. It's a new video editor intended for high-action videos. If you have an action cam such as a GoPro, you'll find that Fast Cut has some optimizations built in for it. But if you have a standard video camera or a digital camera that can shoot videos, that's fine too. This $50 application includes features that improve videos that have been made with moving cameras, features such as automatic image stabilization, distortion correction, and editing presets designed to create action films. Here's an example. One of the cats was hanging around, and I grabbed one of her toys, a feather that's at the end of a string that's attached to a stick. I held the camera with one hand, flipped the feather around with the other. Then I put the camera on the floor and used my foot to reposition it. The result was about 90 seconds of relatively boring video. The magic began when I selected a template. FastCut sliced the video into short segments and repositioned those little segments, intercutting the handheld view from above with the footheld view from the floor. I manually removed the part during which I was repositioning the camera, and the result is a 56-second video that's actually pretty lively and fun. Take a look at it on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Once FastCut is finished, if you don't like the way the template cuts things together, you can try another template or manually edit the result, as I did when I removed the segment during which the camera was being repositioned. You'll find additional treatments such as vintage look, tracking shots, and slow motion effects that can be added individually. Modifying transitions is easy, too, because the interface is surprisingly easy to learn, and a brief introductory video explains the basics so that even a new user will be able to figure out how to start using FastCut right away. Recognizing challenges that are inherent in videos made with cameras such as the GoPro, the developers have included audio processing that attempts to reduce wind noise, video effects to correct tilted videos and remove distortions common with wide-angle lenses, and the ability to rotate videos created when the camera is upside down or on its side. You can also adjust color and contrast. After customizing the video, you can share it either by creating a file that can be viewed on your PC, displayed on mobile devices, or uploaded to services such as YouTube, Vimeo, or Facebook. 
Although Magic's FastCut works with video from any source, it is optimized to work with GoPro devices, the tiny cameras that can be strapped to headgear, worn on the body, or held out on an extending pole. GoPro cameras are often used in extreme sports environments. GoPro has announced an agreement with LG Electronics to create a GoPro channel app for LG Smart Televisions. Currently, owners of these televisions can stream more than 400 hours of GoPro high-definition video on demand. This gives users a fast cut yet another way to share their videos. GoPro and LG demoed the new system at the Consumer Electronics Show a week ago. A similar GoPro channel on YouTube provides access to similar content. GoPro initially was designed to help athletes self-document themselves, but it's been adapted by a wider range of users who simply want to show what they see when they're skiing, snowboarding, running, or engaging in any other sport or physically challenging activity. The bottom line for FastCut, five cats, it is as fun to use as it is easy. There are lots of video editors on the market, but FastCut is definitely worth checking out if you're someone who likes to create action videos. The easy-to-understand interface works just as well with standard videos, but it is optimized for action cameras, such as the GoPro. You'll find additional details on the Magic's FastCut website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Every time I've had the opportunity, I have grumbled to Adobe product managers about the lack of support from the company's mobile applications for Android devices. Apple devices have the most complete set of Adobe mobile applications, but Lightroom Mobile came to Android this week. More is coming. It's on the roadmap, according to Adobe. To use the mobile version of Lightroom, you need to be a Creative Cloud user, a program for photographers that makes Lightroom, Photoshop, Bridge, and Camera Raw available for $10 per month. In the old days, a serious photographer would pay at least that much for film and processing, and probably every week. So if you think $10 a month is unreasonable, try going back to nothing but film for a month, and then let me know what you think. Lightroom Mobile is intended for Android phones, not Android tablets, even though it works on both phones and tablets from Apple. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. Lightroom Mobile is a companion for the Lightroom 5 desktop software, and it is part of Adobe Creative Cloud. You'll see an image on the TechBiter Worldwide website, several screenshots from an Android phone. You'll be looking at my Camels collection, ported over from the desktop computer. It includes Camels from the wilds and from the Columbus Zoo. The app was available first for iPad and iPhone starting last year, and Sherrod Mangalik, Adobe Software Senior Product Manager for Photography, says it allows users to edit, organize, and share images anywhere at any time. We've been you know, rather busy in the photography space in the last year, so we released Lightroom Mobile on iOS back in April. We followed that up with Lightroom Mobile for iPhone in June, and we've been working on Lightroom Mobile for Android. It's been something that we tested on the iOS platform and we've seen tremendous success. Between our initial launch and now, we're seeing somewhere in the upwards of about 135 million assets in use and we're seeing you know, roughly about 200,000 monthly active use. So you know, it's a growing product. It's still very young in its infancy and we're excited to bring it to Android. You'll see thumbnail images on the phone. 
and if you tap the screen with two fingers, the display will change to show f-stop, the ISO of the sensor, and the shutter speed. Give it another two-finger tap, and you'll see more information about the images, the date and time the picture was taken, the size of the original image, and the file name. When you check out the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll see that some of the images are original RAW files, and others have been manipulated by one or more desktop processes and saved in TIFF format. Sherrod Mangalik says the new Android version resembles the iOS version in many ways. We took the learnings that we found on iOS, we applied them to the Android platform, um, taking advantage of some of the unique characteristics of Android, and created an experience that is similar to the Lightroom Mobile experience, but really is defined for Android. In terms of a feature set, you know, you can take photos with your Android phone, import them directly into Lightroom Mobile, make some edits, apply a preset, have those changes along with the original image syncs back down to your desktop. Some of the other things that you can do is, you know, if you're out shooting with a DSLR, a micro four-thirds camera, you can import those photos into Lightroom Desktop, sync those up to our cloud service powered by the Creative Cloud, and then have those photos available for you to either edit, organize, or share directly from Lightroom Mobile. And Mangalik notes that the abilities provided by mobile editing are going to continue to change how we work with images. I think it really kind of depends on, you know, where you're taking photos and how you, how the individual photographer works. And so, you know, we know that there's an increase in number of photos being taken on smartphones. So we do think that, you know, Lightroom Mobile will be very, very useful to the photographer that is using their smartphone as their primary capture device. That being said, I mean, there's a lot of photos that are still sitting on hard drives around the world that were captured, you know, not with a smartphone, but with a traditional SLR or micro four-thirds camera. So I think it really depends on, you know, what type of photos you're taking as a photographer and which capture device you're using and, you know, kind of what you're trying to get out of it. On the website, you'll see how I have cropped and rotated one of the images and also set a 5 by 4 aspect ratio. The crop information will be reported back to the desktop version of Lightroom, but the original image will not be overwritten. After rotating and cropping the image, I decided to apply a preset to make the image a bit warmer. On the desktop, raw images are typically 18 to 20 megabytes, and the manipulated TIFF images are often considerably larger than that. Moving files that size over the internet and then trying to process them on, I mean, come on, process them on a phone? That would be pretty challenging, to say the least. Mangalik says that's why Adobe software engineers developed what they call smart previews. Smart previews is the feature that we introduced in Lightroom 5. Uh, basically, what it allows us to do is take the raw data that's contained in a raw file. So, you know, the typical raw file is somewhere in the neighborhood of about 25 to 30 megabytes piece, give or take, depending on the type of camera and, and what you're shooting. So that's a lot of data to be pushing around, you know, either through a cloud service or to be processing on your phone, which is typically not as powerful as your desktop computer. So what a smart preview does is it allows us to sync a relatively small amount of data, you know, it's about 1.7 to 2 megabytes a piece, over the cloud to your phone. You can make all of the adjustments that you can make with the original raw file. So all of the latitude in terms of changing exposure, white balance, color, clarity, um, cropping, all of those changes sync back again through our cloud back down to the original 
Because of the limited screen size of even the largest phone, a split before and after view of your images wouldn't be very helpful. The screen responds instead by displaying the before version when the user touches the screen with three fingers. Touch and hold, and when you release, you go back to the modified image. That modified image is saved separately, and changes will be reported back to Lightroom on the desktop so that the changes will be shown there. Currently, there are some minor differences between the iOS and Android versions, but senior product manager Sherrod Mangalik says that the goal is to make the two versions as similar as possible. Our goal is always to have feature parity. I mean, we've got a long tradition of doing that with both, at least on the desktop between Mac and Windows, in terms of having feature parity. In terms of release timing, you know, our goal is to have releases available and shipping when they're ready. So the iOS version is ready, then, you know, we potentially could ship a version of iOS that's not available for Android. Simultaneously, if there's, you know, features like, for example, raw DNG um, support that's available on Android first um, and not available on iOS, then potentially we would ship it. Our goal is to always have feature parity, but, you know, if there's platform-specific reasons or uh, technical reasons why we can't have it, then, you know, we will ship it, and the goal is to always play catch-up with the other platform as soon as possible. You might wonder, what's the difference between the iOS and Android versions? The first difference is with relation to starring and picking an image. So, you know, Lightroom users and photographers have used star ratings and pick flags as ways to, you know, denote interesting or saved images. On the iOS platform, there's an option to show both star ratings and pick flags at the same time. Here, all you need to do is you just have to kind of tap on it and it will toggle between the two. The other difference between the Android version and the iPhone version is that the commenting functionality that I talked about on lightroom.adobe.com, uh, so those notifications are not quite flowing back to Android yet. So that's something that's on our roadmap. Uh, those are the real two differences between the uh, shipping version of Lightroom Mobile on iPhone and on uh, Android. Although Android tablets aren't supported at this time, Adobe is working on providing the support, I found that Lightroom Mobile does work reasonably well on a Nexus 7. You'll see a screenshot from the Nexus 7 on the TechBiter Worldwide website that shows the same camel collection that was on the phone. Yeah, so this was really designed for phones. Um, you know, tablets are something, or Android tablets, I should say, um, are something that's on our roadmap. We don't have a time frame for it. We're definitely not promoting the use of it just because it's not been tested or optimized for Android tablets. On the desktop version of Lightroom, I have another collection of images called the Wilds, and it's synchronized directly to the tablet, too. I should probably note that the Nexus 7 is really more like an overgrown phone, more of a phone than a full Android tablet, and that may be why Lightroom Mobile works acceptably on the Android 7. If you install it on a larger device, you should probably be prepared for some problems, but Adobe is working on a version that will be fully compatible with tablets. Lightroom Mobile was released on Thursday and is available right now as a free download for Android phones from the Google Play Store. Users need Lightroom 5.4 or higher, and they must be enrolled in either the full Adobe Creative Cloud program, $50 a month, or Creative Cloud Photography program for $10 a month. And as they used to say in old-time radio, meanwhile, back at the ranch, when I returned to the desktop and started Lightroom 5, my modified, cropped, rotated, and warmed camel was right there waiting for me. 
The primary capabilities provided by Lightroom Mobile include the ability to synchronize edits, metadata, and collection changes between desktop and mobile devices, the ability to import images from the smartphone automatically to Lightroom on the desktop, the ability to edit images on the phone using a reduced feature set from the desktop application, and the ability to flag and rate images right on the mobile device. Professionals will probably avoid color corrections on mobile devices because color management isn't yet available. Most of the mobile, de or the mobile devices are actually not color calibrated. Um, we probably will not be building that support. We've been working and we're pushing uh, the hardware vendors and the software vendors to build the calibration into their platforms and onto their devices. The bottom line for Adobe Lightroom Mobile for Android, four cats, it unleashes magic on your phone. I'd give Lightroom Mobile for Android 4.5 cats, but I can't bear the thought of cutting a cat in half. So right now, four cats. And the only reason it's not five cats is that the app is currently intended only for Android phones. By leveraging Creative Cloud, this free app extends photo editing in ways that would have seemed impossible just a year or two ago. You'll find additional details on the Adobe Lightroom mobile website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. In short circuits, this next item highlights the kind of effort that's sure to get lost in politics. That's a pity. Some cities are attempting to provide their residents with access to high-speed internet service, and they are, of course, being opposed by cable providers. This is happening at a time when broadband service is substandard compared to just about any other developed country, and when users in other countries pay less for that better service. Cedar Falls, Iowa is trying to do something about it. Cedar Falls Utilities provides one gigabyte broadband connection for its 40,000 citizens. To put that into perspective, that speed is nearly 50 times faster than the average speed in the U.S. Chattanooga, Tennessee and Wilson, North Carolina have both asked the Federal Communications Commission to exempt them from state laws that currently bar cities from providing Internet access. The telecommunications industry doesn't think much of towns like Cedar Falls because they say that Internet communications should not be treated like the utility it is. Internet access has more in common with electricity, water, gas, and telephone service, but it's not regulated the way those utilities are. The Federal Communications Commission is still working on its net neutrality ruling, and there is some optimism that the ruling might classify Internet service as a utility. The Commerce Department could become involved in helping cities build better Internet access, too, just as the federal government began in the 1950s to build a better highway system, the interstate highway system. WordPress is a popular tool for creating blogs and entire websites, and because it's so popular, it's also a common target for malware. Updates are released frequently for WordPress, but users often forget to check for updates. As a result, lots of websites that run on WordPress are running on vulnerable software. 
IT security experts at Forgenics have created a scanner that enables WordPress owners to check their sites for infection. The company notes that more than 11,000 websites have been blacklisted by Google because they've been compromised by SoakSoak malware. That number, 11,000, sounds like a lot. But there are millions of websites, and at least several hundred thousand of them use WordPress. Still, it doesn't hurt to check. I don't use WordPress myself, but I know some people who do. So I visited the Forgenics scanner and ran the scan on their sites. Both of the sites I tested were clean. Forgenics requires an email address, but so far all they've sent is confirmation that the scan indicated no problems. The company says that its scanner has already been run against 1 million websites globally, finding an average of 2% compromised. If that percentage holds up across all sites, it could indicate about 20,000 infected sites. The phone rings. You answer it. Hello, I'm calling for Windows support, they say. Well, the appropriate response to that statement is, no, you're not, followed by hanging up. The Federal Trade Commission has whacked a couple of these moles, but the fakers are still out there trying to find a way to gain access to your computer. The first thing to understand is this. Microsoft does not make outbound calls to users, ever, period. So the caller says they've been receiving error messages from your computer. They'll tell you this even if your computer is a Mac, by the way. They'll probably tell this even to people who don't own a computer. Once they have their mark's attention, the technician will explain that he needs to download some software to fix your computer. He'll also ask for a credit card number, of course, so you can pay for the tech support services and the software. The FTC has managed to shut down some of these operations, but the proliferation of Internet-based phone systems that can make phone calls appear to originate from anywhere makes it hard to separate the good guys from the bad guys, or so people think. Actually, it's not hard at all. Anyone who announces that the call is coming from Windows support is, by definition, a fraudster. But this sometimes gets lost in a user's worry and confusion. After all, the caller ID on the phone says Windows support. Or the area code is 425. That's where Redmond, Washington is. Sometimes the scammer claims to be from your Internet service provider, or from Cisco, or Lenovo, or Dell, or some other well-known company. When they have your credit card number and they've loaded their software onto your computer, they can do anything they want with your money or your computer. So if you receive a call from Windows support, just say no. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.